We are going to seamlessly tonight move into our Let's sermon go. time, Let's sermon go, panel. Sarah Claire and I um, are going to have a, a little conversation now. Can I have those books actually mm-hmm. just there? Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Um, we're continuing our series this month uh, on the topic of reimagining church. Um, We've been thinking about church, our local church, Providencia, Mm -hmm. and the church globally, more widely, um, in different ways over the last few weeks. And tonight we're going to zoom in on the topic of liturgy. Mm. We're going to define that word um, a little bit more in a moment. But we want to talk about how the liturgy that we take part in, particularly in our Sunday services at Providencia, mostly the liturgy we do when we're all together. Yeah. That we're trying to create. That's in right. This space, We've tried to but... recreate in some small way, yeah. in a sham sort of way, mm-hmm. in some in some respects. But um, we want to talk a little bit about the liturgy that we take part in, um, in when we're in sort of normal circumstances, mm-hmm. um, and how that is purposeful, how that has been thought through mm-hmm. uh, throughout history, because yeah. we're drawing on a long history yeah, of church liturgy. Yeah, we didn't make up any of this yeah. really. We might be doing some of these yeah. things in slightly different ways. Than the church has historically done them, mm-hmm. but we're still drawing on that totally. tradition. Yeah. So we want to talk about how that liturgy is purposeful. Um, in order to get into that, uh, our reading for tonight is from Exodus chapter 29. Now, this is a passage you may never have heard before, which is completely fine. It's one of those like passages that could easily get buried mm-hmm. in the books of the law and yeah. might be a passage that even if you've read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, you skipped over this part or skimmed it or didn't really read it closely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. Um, I want us to try and hear this in a slightly different way tonight. So our reading is from Exodus 29, and I want to encourage you to close your eyes if you can. I can't tell if you can because you're on the other side of an iPhone or a laptop. Close your eyes. Try to imagine the scene that is being depicted here in Exodus 29. We have the characters of Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons. And Moses in particular is doing some things to Aaron and Aaron's sons in a process that makes them priests. So this is Exodus 29 verses 1 to 9. God is speaking to Moses. This is what you are to do to consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect. And from the finest wheat flour, make round loaves without yeast, thick loaves without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves without yeast and brushed with olive oil. Put them in a basket and present them in it along with the bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Take the garments and dress Aaron with the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod itself and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and attach the sacred emblem to the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and fasten caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Then you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, 
Do you have the picture in your mind? Yeah. Do you have the image? Yeah. Um, what what were you kind of experiencing as you listened to that passage? Um, I think I was very aware of the Jewish culture and how that is so far from our culture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, little things I could grasp on, like visuals that I've seen depicted in film or like Prince of Egypt we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but how there's this like rhythm to what's being asked of mm-hmm. um, Moses to do and unto Aaron and the, the boys um, in order for them to come into this priesthood or to this space where God will meet them and they will meet others. Yeah. Um, so... Definitely, it was like um, like we're being told to do things. Mm-hmm. But then I was imagining it as God's voice asking us to do our liturgy. Yeah. So like, you will then welcome the people. Mm-hmm. You will then sing the songs. You will then confess. You know. So yeah. I kind of, because I know what we're going to talk about today. That was what happened this time when I heard it. But when I first heard it, I remembered you saying like it's kind of a weird passage for this. Mm-hmm. But like, go with me. Yeah. I was like, Drew, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I there, yeah, you know? I sort of, I, I chose this passage um, for a couple of reasons, really. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that we're talking about liturgy, yeah, and I wanted to sort of, we wanted to define liturgy mm-hmm. because it's a word we don't use all the time, yeah. and, and yeah. we we mostly don't use it outside of church context, mm-hmm. um, even though we should, and and the. The, the 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 way we could understand liturgy yeah. um, is as something that uh, affects us outside of a church context. Yes. Um, but this passage is a particularly good uh, image, mm-hmm. picture story yeah. of a liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, there's something going on in this passage wherein Moses doing these things that God has commanded him to do mm-hmm. to Aaron and his sons somehow ordains them as priests, somehow Mm -hmm. makes them priests. Not because the actual water or the oil is what does it. It's because God has ordained it this Mm -hmm. way, has has asked Moses to do it this way. Mm -hmm. But there's something in the rhythm of the actions that you go through this each time. The seemingly ordinary rhythms, like oil on bread, you know, ephod or whatever that, it's like a chest thing, right? Yeah, 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 Um, that's right. Like very ordinary things, bull, whatever. Yes. Um, but that it creates a extraordinary experience for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the that bit just at the end of the passage where um, God says the priesthood belongs to Aaron and his sons mm-hmm. and it will belong to them forever. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron obviously didn't live forever. Mm-hmm. So Aaron's sons and his sons after that, they all, generations after yeah. that, had this same liturgy uh-huh. acted upon them, which yeah. ordained them into the priesthood. Yeah. Um, made them priests. Mm. Um, and that kind of gets us into what we want to talk about liturgy mm-hmm. tonight. Cool. Um, so this word liturgy, if you haven't heard it before, absolutely fine. Um, it's a word that really just means something like uh, a rhythm or action that is done repetitively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is done in sequence usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sequence is important yeah. in a liturgy. Um, it's a set of actions and something that um, in the sort of argument of James K. Smith, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, um, he says that, that these sort of liturgies, these actions, do something to us, even if we're not completely cognizant or aware of what is mm-hmm. happening to us. Yeah. Um, even if we don't exactly understand mm-hmm. what it is to take the bread and take the wine, mm-hmm. participating in the communion meal does something to us. Yeah. Um, we can have more depth and more richness of it mm-hmm. by knowing 
what the bread and the wine symbolize and what the yeah. table is about. Um, but just participating in the actions mm. does something to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start by taking liturgy out of the church context. Okay. Um, so what is like a normal rhythm of life for you? What, yeah. what does an average day look like for you? Yeah, well, I think probably most people would say like your phone probably wakes you up because your alarm's there. I know Simon Sinek says that you should put your phone outside of your bedroom and have an alarm clock, but I've yet to do that. So my phone wakes me up usually. Um, and I, I walk Marigold, I feed Marigold, I have my coffee. I'll usually, I was saying, I usually kind of do some sort of yoga flow to make sure my body is connected to my head, um, stretching it out, you know. Um, and then there's like the silly things like the, that you don't think about, but that you do every day, like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Like you literally do that every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't even ever, like when you just said the benefits that you get that you don't even know that you're getting. Yeah. You know, I don't think about how like the plaque is being removed and how, you know, the freshness of breath and like the importance of the hygiene that I'm doing. I don't yeah. think about all of those effects when I do it, but I know that somewhere deep down that's happening. And so, the importance of the habit of it. Yeah, like hygiene is actually a totally, good example of yes. this where we brush our teeth every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. But we don't really think, okay, if I skipped a day, it wouldn't matter. Well, that, right. that's probably right. But actually, yeah. if that became not a habit, mm-hmm. then that would reflect in our overall health yeah. in ways that we, totally. it just magnifies. Yeah. yeah. And then if you go outside that, I usually talk to a friend or I check in with someone that I love and care about. I work. That work is a part of my liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other thing that I wanted to say? Um Oh, and like read either reading or listening to, because I have Audible and podcasts, um, something that's like spiritually or emotionally or intellectually stimulating. That's okay. probably something I do every day. Okay. Um, because I value that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meditation, if that's if I'm in a rhythm of that. Sometimes I'm really in it. Sometimes I'm totally not. Um, but sometimes that is a rhythm, just like yeah. a couple minutes, just breathing, prayer. Um, yeah, so those That's are some good. of the... What about you? And how do... Well, how does a day close for you? The day closes by... Um, hmm. That's a great question. Marigold. As always, she's a big part of my rhythm. Okay. Um, but usually we walk because okay. I know she needs to go out before the night is over. So um, so there's usually a walk. There's usually a, some sort of talking to somebody. Yeah. You know? Um, and then there is like a deep breath and then you're in, you know, yeah, then you're in bed. Mm-hmm. So there is water, water beside the bed. That's Good. important. Anyway, yeah. These are silly things. But yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. there are like rhythms that come beginning, middle and end of the day. Yeah. And that's part of a liturgy that it has a beginning and an end. Yeah. So like our day, mm-hmm. it opens and closes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some similarities for me. I mean, my phone wakes me up. Mm-hmm. That sort of like first thing social media is yeah. a real hard habit to break uh-huh. for yeah. us, um, <laughs> particularly in, in our generation. But yeah. I think for a lot of people yeah. across generations now with the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, Notice how I didn't say that because probably I'm ashamed that social media is <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty ashamed of it, but well, it is true. Yeah, it's I true. Mean, for sure. um, yeah. Depending on how how intentional I am about being on or being off. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it this morning because mm-hmm. I woke up and because it's a weekend and I didn't have anything immediately work-wise mm-hmm. in the first of the morning, I was like 20 minutes on Twitter. Yeah. This oh, morning. Twitter. I don't even have Twitter. Because I oh, didn't sure. have anywhere else I was like going to be. Yeah. So, and See the kids happening. were fine. I was yeah. just like, yeah, I was just like sat mm-hmm. there and then I realized 20 minutes had gone by. Yeah. So, um, that's a hard habit to break, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how we wake up. Yeah. Um, 
I try my hardest to get up before the kids Mm -hmm. because if you can just get those of you with kids will probably know this if you can get a few moments before the kids wake up um, that is a piece that I think is as close as we can get to heaven Mm -hmm. just the few minutes (laughs) before the kids wake up Um, so I try to do that Um, and in that space if I can get up early enough I go for Mm -hmm. a run or or do some sort of Mm -hmm. exercise Um, again, that's kind of that idea, that value of Mm -hmm. our bodies being connected to our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, and then work is definitely a big part of the day. Um, and working in different ways, Mm -hmm. in different places, Mm -hmm. you know, in an office at home, uh, all of those kinds of things. Um, and then I would say like interactions with my family are mm-hmm. probably take up all the other yeah. spaces. Yeah. You know, it might be making breakfast for the kids mm-hmm. um, or eating lunch with a coworker yeah. uh, or making dinner f- with the kids or, or eating dinner with the whole family. Um, those kinds of things mm-hmm. fill up the rest of that space. Yeah. Um, and then I've been trying over the last few weeks to close my day rather than social media, mm-hmm. which is how I'd probably default yeah. to, yeah. Um, by reading something yes. in print. Yes. <laughs> um, right. And I found that that's helped me to go to sleep better. Mm-hmm. So there's like a good rhythm yeah. in that yeah. um, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I've been trying to mm-hmm. close my day. Yeah. What's interesting, and I think where we're going, is that the the things that we just mentioned do expose some of our values. Yeah. Um, which liturgy would do that. When we look at the rhythms, we are seeing, okay, what is it that I'm valuing? Because our attention to whatever it is shows our value. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I mean, yeah. and that's why, why it's important for us to reflect on yes. the amount of screen time we have. Totally. Or if we found ourselves, like, looking at our... 12 14 16 hours of our day Mm -hmm. and it was like i spend three hours of it in front of the mirror yeah like prepping myself yeah well hang on that shows a value of some sort that i probably need to examine about myself um but i will spend three hours on this Mm -hmm. and not really bat an eye yeah um so yeah it's just that idea of kind Mm -hmm. of examining what are the things i'm actually spending my time on How is that affecting me, shaping me, forming me mm-hmm. in ways that we in know, ways that and, I we know and don't know? Which also brings us to our liturgy within the church. That's it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we normally do in yeah. a church service. Okay. What's the first thing that happens if you're not involved in the church service, if you're yeah. not involved in the putting on of the service, yeah. what do you do? What's the first thing that happens for you when you well, this come isn't to church? Even, I didn't even put this in the liturgy, but there is the gathering of the peoples. So like the hugs on the front steps that we miss. And I was talking to a friend today who has moved away and he was like, that's, I was like, what do you miss? He was like, I miss church. I miss prof. I was like, what do you miss? And he was like, those like really intentional hugs that you had with people. So I think there is that that was part of the, the liturgy. Yeah. Um, and, but then once we kind of move into the actual, when Danny's like, hey guys, it's 5.05, get inside. Yeah. You know, we're going to start music. Um, that moment, uh, what begins is the invitation, mm-hmm. right? After the announcements, the invitation. So a lot of churches would call that, and I grew up that being called the call to worship. And we even used to call that the call to worship at Prov. Yeah. But then we kind of shifted, and when we were really exploring our liturgy a couple years ago, what else could we call that? And so we said, we said the invitation. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking about what that really, what is the value there? It is kind of a warm up, like knowing that it takes you a second to get from outside in the, the world to inside this thin space, mm-hmm. right? To this sacred experience, to this more holy liturgy. 
um, or I don't know if it's more holy, but like a intentional space where we're now yeah. coming into the presence of God. Um, so that it's like a warm up. Um, also an invitation sounds like a warm welcome. It's like the hospitality. Mm-hmm. So we value at our church, the hospitality of God welcoming us into this space. Um, so that's like kind of the first step yeah. in our liturgy. Yeah. And I think very much so we, we imagine that like the invitation is spoken mm-hmm. by Danny or by someone mm-hmm. else who's yeah. up at the front. Um, but it's very much that that invitation is spoken as a reflection of the way God has already invited us, Mm -hmm. the way God has already called us to gather. Um, And as you mentioned, the stuff that happens outside Mm -hmm. is just as much a a part of our liturgy as what happens inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of churches will do an actual greeting time where you maybe pass the peace. This might be familiar to some of you from your church backgrounds. The peace of Christ be with you Uh and also also with you. you. Mm -hmm. And and you pass it back and forth. That greeting time we don't Mm -hmm. formally do in our Providencia liturgy, but we do it informally before the service starts with the intentional hugs and and those kinds of conversations that happen in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that invitation spoken through Danny or one of mm-hmm. our worship leaders um, that invites us mm-hmm. warmly, welcomes us yeah. to be the people of God, to yeah. come together mm-hmm. as God's family, um, to gather together yeah. Yeah. as God's family yeah. um, and and take part in mm-hmm. the rest of this totally. liturgy. Yeah. Even on like when we're on Facebook, you can see people like, hey fam, or like, hey everybody, so good to be, you know, that kind of, even as it translates to streaming, yeah. there's still that, hey, we're all here together yeah. moment, yeah. which is cool. It's good. Yeah. And we usually move then from that invitation into a time of singing together. Yeah. yeah. Music. Praise. What, what, how does that fit into our liturgy? Um, well, the way that I was, you know, I kept asking, okay, we do this. Why do we do this? What is the value? Mm-hmm. And the thing that kind of came up for me was we, there is a value in spiritual culture, in liturgical culture, in Christian culture of creativity, of right brain. Like, let's get out of just our, like, head on a stick thing mm-hmm. and be creative. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people who aren't musicians maybe don't connect as much to music in church, but there is this very... Um, creative, embodied, uh, right-brained part of us that gets activated, even if it's not your style of music, you yeah. know? And we, Providencia, we have a very specific style of music because we are people that are white, honestly, and we were raised with, like, acoustic guitars, and that's kind of what we have, um, which we love. But even if that's not your style of music, mm-hmm. there's still something to be said about music playing and praise being given to God. Yeah. Um, an expression that's not just with word and thought, um, and it's also, it, it harkens back to the psalmists. There's a lot mm-hmm. of psalmists that talk about praise God with lute and lyre, or whatever they say, yeah. you know, um, song and singing. And it's just all through the psalms. So I think we're also, we're bringing that in. We're saying we're going to, they did it, we're going to do it. Yeah. You know? So it is, and it's also still, we're warming up a little bit. We're getting into the the moment. Yeah. The Psalms are, are God's people's original hymn book. Yeah. And then we've had hymn books throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. And then now we use songs that some of which are written by Paradise Hymns, some yeah. of which are written by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like drawing on that tradition of singing together. Yeah. Um, and then also to, to speak to the point of embodiment, mm-hmm. singing engages our bodies yeah. in ways that we haven't been engaged yet yep. up until this point. Totally. So we have the physical things like the intentional hugs, 
Um, we have the physical things like sometimes uh, Danny will ask us to breathe for a second mm-hmm. in the invitation. Yeah. Um, take a moment, like realize that you're here. Mm-hmm. Be present in this moment as yeah. we've gathered together. Um, so we've engaged our bodies in different ways, yeah. but singing does that in a, in a further way. Yeah. Um, and it can also engage our bodies in almost unintentional ways. Mm-hmm. Like you might find yourself raising a hand yeah. and you're like, wait, hang on a second. What, why'd my hand uh-huh. go up? Yeah. Um, or you find yourself maybe singing loudly because mm-hmm. you, you're really engaging yeah. with whatever the lyric is or the music mm-hmm. at that particular moment. So it engages our body in new ways. Or it makes us feel uncomfortable. Sure. Because I think a lot of that happens where you're like, oh, what are we doing? And like as Presbyterians, a lot of time they call them the frozen chosen. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but it's like very, you know, you notice like, okay, nobody's moving. Yeah. Right. So I think even in our community, like encouraging us to be able to engage our body in that music, yeah. to not be afraid of the, the awkward feeling of singing or, you know, yeah. that it is a part of this liturgy. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, then comes the confession. Yeah. Which I thought the word unburdening mm-hmm. came up for me, which is where you like take things that maybe are heavy on your spirit and your soul and your brain and you unburden them to God. So today we did we had that beautiful prayer. Um it can all, it can be corporate and yeah. then it can also be individual. Yeah. Where you, you know, literally say to God like I am so human right now. Like I am in my humanity and like, please see me in that. Please know me in that specifically. I think there is this like giving space. We haven't done that maybe in a minute because of maybe streaming, but when we would say like, take a moment to just like offer your own confession, mm-hmm. um, that's not in a corporate voice, but that isn't an individual voice. Um, so that is that part of it. Um, it's the act where we admit that we're human. We acknowledge our humanity and with humility, being obedient to the invitation to like turn from our stuff turn mm-hmm. from our sin and say like, I don't want it anymore, you know, yeah. and give it to God, which then as we do that, we're also saying we value vulnerability and we value transparency with God, which mm-hmm. then we believe leads us to be able to be vulnerable with others yeah. and vulnerable with ourselves. Yeah. Which leads to unity, which is the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, I mean that, that sort of idea of unburdening mm-hmm. is something that we value a lot in our community yeah. in general. Yeah. It's something that's kind of built into the liturgy of story group mm-hmm. um, in ways that we probably would never, we, we wouldn't never make that explicit or yeah. necessarily yeah. make it explicit. Um, but that's something of what we're doing by telling mm-hmm. our story to others. Totally. There, there's a unburdening that mm-hmm. is happening there. Um, and not in the sense that telling our stories is unburdening ourselves of sin. It's not right. the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a similar sort of liberating action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and confession is meant to be that. And we mm-hmm. want it to be both individual and communal. Yes. And it, it, it kind of has to be yeah. Yeah. both of those things. Yeah. If we if we weigh too heavily on one or the other, mm-hmm. we'll lose part of what confession is meant to be. Yeah. Um, and so it is so good when we're together that, mm-hmm. we, that we have a little bit more space and time to yeah. say we can sit silently, mm-hmm. you can breathe, you can offer your own confession, mm-hmm. you can maybe read over the words of yeah. confession for yourself yeah. before we say them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so those sort of individual and corporate elements are built into confession and we always move from confession to assurance Um, and I I say something like uh, confession isn't complete without assurance Um, historically the full uh, name of that part of the liturgy is assurance of pardon Right. Um, so we're confessing our sins and we get assurance of our forgiveness, assurance mm, of pardon mm, yeah. for our sins um, so that good. God is offering us. Again, this idea that in our liturgy is a bunch of things that God has done for God's people mm. 
and that they get spoken through different voices. Someone gives an invitation, someone leads in a confession, someone voices assurance from the scriptures, but it's all something that God has done for God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, I love especially the way Emily puts assurance when she does confession and assurance. Mm -hmm. Um, She says something like, I'm going to speak it over Mm -hmm. you. And my prayer is that it sinks in and feels like, like good news. Mm-hmm. And that, that really is beautiful. And yeah. it's because in confession and assurance, we have a microcosm of the gospel, of mm-hmm. the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I particularly love, because I've, I've gotten to do confession and assurance a lot yeah. in our community, yeah. I love that for us who have taken part in confession and assurance a lot of times in this liturgy, we're shaped by the idea that we know assurance is coming yeah. with confession. Right. I can imagine someone taking part in one of our services or a, or a historically traditional church service mm-hmm. for the first time. And they're like, okay, we've had this invitation. We've had a call to worship. Mm-hmm. We, we maybe sung a song together. Maybe there's been a reading of scripture or something. And then we come to this point where we're all supposed to feel guilty and ashamed yeah, of yeah. what we've done yeah. or what we haven't done. Um, that's often how confession mm-hmm. is, is phrased, what I've done, what I've left undone. Um, so we come to this moment where we're like, wait, are we just all supposed to be guilty and shameful? Mm-hmm. Well, no, yeah. because hopefully we know assurance is coming. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't know, that's why we include assurance after confession, yeah. that it's not complete without that assurance, yeah. because the purpose is not guilt and shame because right. of the things we've done wrong yeah. or the things we haven't done. Mm-hmm. Um, the purpose is that God sees us and knows us in those secrets of our hearts mm-hmm was in the prayer of confession today um, and still offers us that forgiveness anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. It's like, I wouldn't want to tell my mom, we were saying this earlier. I wouldn't want to like tell a parent or something, something terrible. If I didn't know that they were going to still be there and love me. Yeah. But when we know that God is there, we can come to him with whatever it is, Yeah. which is assuring. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So then after confession and assurance, we have the, ser- the scripture reading and the sermon kind of in one. Mm-hmm. So speaking on that, the values are, um, we value the scripture. We ba- value the biblical text. That's kind of where we get the story of God. Um, we get his love for us in that. It's a lot of um, also very mystical and nuanced uh, words and stories and things that we're still like committed to learning about, even though yeah. it doesn't make sense a lot for me at least. Um, I'm, I think it's still good to go back into week after week to say, what is this book telling us about God? What is yeah. this book telling us about me, um, about us? Um, Jamie Smith calls the scriptures uh, fuel for our imaginations, <gasps> which is that same idea. It's that sort of like these stories are ways that yeah. can expand how so we think good. about God, how we relate to one another, yeah. and, and they can fuel our imaginations. So good. Yeah. Um, and then with the, the message, uh, it's kind of saying like there is a pastor or a person that has been either called or volunteered to say, I will be a vessel for God's story to come through. Um, so we value listening to those, if it's Keith, if it's you, if it's me, if it's whoever, and mm-hmm. um, which then we're doing that with the scripture and the message. And then we come to the table. Unless you do you want to say anything about no, this? No, no, no. Keep going. Then we come to the table. So that um, 
we were talking earlier too about the uh, a lot of times the sermon of the the ser- the sermon in church is like the biggest thing the thing that people talk about and like that's the most important part but i think what we're understanding now even is like we want it to be the whole liturgy that yeah. doesn't just lead us to the sermon but it leads us to the table yeah um because and danny was saying this earlier the table is like this great equalizer mm-hmm. it's the thing that says no matter what part of this the scripture you believe no matter what aisle you fall under politically no matter where you are um in your life that this is where we all come to meet jesus and to remember so in that value of communion we are valuing um that we are in this ordinary thing of taking bread and wine we're remembering and we're honoring we're saying i'm going to be a part of this mystery yeah um it's something that i've had to unlearn Mm-hmm. over the last few years really um this idea that the yeah. sermon is central yeah um and uh you know all of my life i grew up in the bapt in a baptist tradition mm-hmm. um and even even in the architecture of the church building mm-hmm. baptist centered the pulpit yeah so the whole sanctuary is built around the pulpit yeah. because the sermon and the proclaiming of god's yeah. word the preaching of god's word um, and it's good to emphasize it, yeah. but the, everything is centered around that mm-hmm. moment of the service. Yeah. Um, and that is something I've been unlearning over the last couple of years because that tends then to center a personality, a human yeah. personality. Right, right. My personality, Keith's personality, mm-hmm. your personality, yeah. whoever's up there. Mm-hmm. It tends to center that person yeah. um, rather than the table, yeah. which is centering... Jesus' sacrifice and looking toward his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, the Keith, me, you, anyone who's preaching mm-hmm. at Providencia is trying very hard to point to Jesus. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what a sermon is at its best, yeah. is pointing to Jesus, is um, explicating the gospel mm-hmm. in a way that stretches our imaginations, that causes us to think about things yeah. differently, feel it in a different way. That's, where, that's what the power a sermon can have at its mm-hmm. best. Um, but it still doesn't do for us what the table does. So then we come to the table Mm -hmm. and we've talked already about how in our liturgy of Providencia, we reorient ourselves Mm -hmm. at this moment in the service. Everything has happened pointed one direction Mm -hmm. with Danny and other musicians or a a preacher standing at the front, someone who's leading and we're all pointed this direction. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we come to gather around the table, we all, exit into the center aisle and turn around and face the back of the church um, and walk in two lines, receive the bread Mm -hmm. and the wine or the juice at the table um, and then return to our seats. Again, that's just a tiny little action Mm -hmm. that does something to us. It reminds us that this isn't about Danny or Keith or anyone else, Drew, who's been at the front up to this point that we're going to reorient ourselves around the table. And I really think that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful yes. picture we do with our actions, with mm-hmm. our bodies yeah. at this point. Totally. And with that, I think we can transition into the time at the table for us. Yeah. Um, In our normal liturgy, we gather at the table. Mm-hmm. We then have space for a time of generosity. Yeah. Um, because we believe that that's one of the many mm-hmm. outworkings of yeah. gathering around the table is that we turn and then mm-hmm. don't live out of scarcity. We live out of generosity. Yeah. Um, and we often sing again together. Mm-hmm. Um, a song uh, intentionally chosen, usually by Danny, mm-hmm. um, to be a kind of response yeah. or reflection on everything that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. All the songs are intentionally chosen. 
um, by Danny, by the way, um, or whoever's leading worship that week. Um, and they're intentionally chosen to connect with themes and things like that. Um, but when we sing again at yeah. the end, we're often responding yes. by song, yes. in song, mm-hmm. um, to what we've been doing all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the benediction, mm-hmm. which is comes from two Latin words that means just a good word. Yeah. And it's the going out. Yeah. It's the sending out. Mm-hmm. And I also love that in our actions then, we turn mm. and go out the way we went for the table. That's right. And we, we pass by the place where we s- received the bread and mm-hmm. wine. And then we go out Into and we're supposed world. to live it out. Yeah. And this liturgy within the walls of the church is meant to be part of how we live and, and reflected in the way we live our lives yes, yes. outside the church. Yes. But as you say, it all does come back to the table. Yeah. Keith's going to come now mm-hmm. um, and help us to reorient ourselves, yeah. even around an iPhone, yes, um, yes. around the table that Jesus invites us mm-hmm. to.